0: Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by ClearVoice Content Marketing Software, helping you decrease your time spent creating content by up to 50% while doubling your online engagement. Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide convince and convert makes your content better. Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. And by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. Now, here are your hosts, Jeffrey L. Cohen, Director of Content Strategy at Oracle Marketing Cloud. And from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. I know
1: it's been a few weeks listening to these, but we are still at Content Marketing World. So we're drawing out our couple of days here into a few weeks of of great podcasts. And uh, today, Jeff from Oracle Marketing Cloud and myself, Randy from Uberflip, we have found yet another person in the hallway here. We've got Justin Levy joining us from Citrix. Uh, This is going to be a great opportunity for us to discuss... Now, how things roll up in a true corporate content strategy, where social gets involved, and other other you now areas that we'll dive into shortly. Um, you know, Justin's role in the company is to oversee social strategy across citrix at a corporate level uh, so many of us have probably interacted with some of citrix products but uh, maybe don't know the extent of different product lines and strategies they need to have and I think the next 25 minutes will be a real interesting dive in understanding how you uh, you know bring that all together so Justin welcome uh, welcome to the podcast welcome to content pros and maybe you can tell us a little bit more about uh, what your responsibilities looks like in Citrix.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. And for those that think that you need a fancy setup for podcasting, we are sitting on the carpet, all three of us cross-legged in a corner of a of the convention center. So uh, yeah, thank you know like I said thanks for having me. My role is overseeing uh, global social media for Citrix. Uh, Included in that is kind of naturally your major social media accounts, you know, your Twitters and Instagram and Facebook and what have you. But also we oversee our corporate blog. So that's where we publish uh, 70 to 90 plus blog posts per month. We oversee our social advocacy program where we have about a thousand employees who receive twice weekly emails from us, as well as Uh, Have access to an app, both mobile and desktop, where they can receive uh, content that we push out to them. And then we oversee our entire Wikipedia presence. Well, so Justin, great to have you on
3: Content Pros. This is Jeff. And there's so much to unpack here, but I think that the place that I want to start is a blog because lots of content marketers are told. If you're if you're gonna start in content marketing, you need a blog, you need a a hub, a home, obviously something to support your social channels. Certainly you are, as you said, you're you're publishing 70 to 90 posts a month, which is completely mind-boggling to me. But I'd I'd love to know sort of what that blog strategy looks like, kind of how you got started and and how you actually ramped up to, to that point, because obviously nobody starts by saying okay, next month we're starting a blog and we're publishing 70 posts. It starts obviously much simpler than that.
2: Yeah, so the blog had been something that had already been in kind of full effect uh, well before my time at Citrix, and I've been there for about five and a half years now. Uh, but when my team took it over, it was a very open platform in the sense that anyone with uh, internal credentials could publish to the blog. So you can understand how easily that... You know, could get screwed up, how that's not strategic. If, even if it wasn't someone trying to be malicious or go around some type of internal plan, if all of us right now, decide to publish a blog post, and I'll hit publish, you know, we'd have three blog posts stepping on each other externally, as opposed to given some type of, you know, time frame to allow each one to kind of air itself out and be, you know, be shared. Also, when you look at it from the customer's perspective, that person would be inundated with blog posts, maybe on, say, Monday, they would get 15 blog posts, but on Tuesday through Thursday, they wouldn't get any, and then they would get, you know, three on Friday, because... You know, it was just however it was happening. And so the first thing that my team did was to implement uh, f- two things. One, we stopped the ability of any employee being able to hit publish on the blog post. So that was just a kind of a technical change that we made. But then we also started to force everything through, all content through a, r- a review process. So there's a, we hired an editor full time on my team, and they're, f- only responsibility is to review the and schedule these blog posts. We do that because one, we want to have a consistent voice when, when talking to uh, people externally. And previously that wasn't necessarily happening. You might have an engineer that's writing in one voice and a marketer writing in another and a product person writing in another. That's fine because they have expertise in those areas. But we also wanted to at least be semi-consistent in how we were talking externally. But then the other piece of that is to schedule those blog posts and to have some consistent uh, you know, schedule within there. So it might it's, we're right around, say, three to five per day right now. So three to five per day. We have time slots so that it's very predictable when, when we will publish. And uh, so that our, our base of subscribers know exactly what they're going to get and when. That has helped us to grow exponentially our subscribers in a pretty short period of time of only the, say, the past year or so since we've really went through uh, this change. So what about, say,
3: an editorial calendar or topic guidance, things like that for the writers? For, For instance, if they're writers across the company, they say, oh, I have an idea for a blog post. Does it, does it fit into some sort of, as, as I said, topic category, or is there a, a little more structure that the editor takes those posts that come in and and just pushes them out according to a predetermined schedule, or besides, besides time of day, et cetera?
2: So there is and there isn't. Some of it is certainly around events that we have going on. Uh, So if we're sponsoring a major event, if we are, if it's one of our major events, you know, certainly we have blog posts that are going to take priority or, you know, ones that are about that event will take priority over other ones. If it's from one of our executives that takes priority over everything. Our CMO also has said, you know, what our our theme is for content for the second half of this year. So that should always weave itself into some content, and and also other content should be focused solely on that on that theme. And then there's other ones because we didn't want to completely restrict people's freedom and take that freedom away from them. So we do allow for variations on that because you do have an engineer that is excited about something that they've worked on, and it's not outside of what the communications plan is for that product, for example, or it's a Skunk Works project, or it's uh, someone that just had a thought in in their head that they want to kind of get out on on the paper um, digitally. And so we allow for that. We don't try to kind of mandate, well, this week we need eight posts that are about this topic. But we do know who to go to when we, do, when we feel that we're a little too light on certain pieces of content. Um, like I said, around our, our CMOs want to drive, you know, a certain content theme. Uh, or we'll go find, uh, if we know, say, for example, that our demand gen team is having a webinar on a certain topic, we can find other pieces of content to surround that with.
3: Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Uberflip. And their weekly podcast called Flip the Switch, where they bring some of the brightest marketing minds together to provide useful insights, actionable takeaways, and a fresh approach to the content marketing challenges you face daily. Head over to bit.ly slash flip content to discover the tips and tactics that will help you flip the switch from ordinary to remarkable. So
1: I, I want to go back a few minutes ago. You talked about consistency of brand voice and, and determining what that voice is, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, this blog is a corporate blog and it's going to represent various different product lines, different buyer groups. You know, everyone likes to write in their own style, but you got to bring it together. On the flip side of that argument, how do you balance the need to still identify with a variety of different personas who this content may be built for? One of the things that we probably hear a lot at events like Content Marketing World here is take time to understand the different buyer personas and build different content tailored to you. So you know, maybe just to make your life difficult, how do you balance that need for consistent voice, which makes sense? with the need to truly personalize
2: yeah I think it it's a great question and something that we it's still hard for us right and it's always a, a battle to find what that right balance is because also you know one thing that we stay aware of is that we don't want to come across as marketers or you know on that blog that voice can't only be a marketing voice Because an engineer is not a marketer. A product line person is not a marketer. Um, And they can feel off-putted by that if that's how they, you know, if they submit a blog post and my team completely hacks it to death, you remove their voice and then they don't feel like it's an engineer and voice that's talking to other engineers. Especially in an enterprise IT company, that's pretty important. So we try to tailor. A content to those different personas based on the people that we know they who are writing the content, and uh, with as minimal editing as possible when we publish that content. So we try to, in those cases, we try to, for example, maybe just make sure that's not one long run-on paragraph of 350 words, or you know, try to include more white space on the in the blog post or ensure that there are link backs to key landing pages for us or things of that nature without trying to edit their voice too much because they are writing uh, to their per- to their key audience uh, internally.
1: So I, I'm just curious with, with the need to, to create all this different content um, you know, and, and obviously it's, it's coming up from different groups as I understand it. Um, you know, it would be good to understand how many groups that is, because I think some of our listeners sometimes don't have uh, you know, context to the size of an organization like Citrix and, and the complexity there. But how do, you, how do you ensure that everyone is contributing and contributing with that same tone? So going to the strategy side of it, uh, a lot of us who have smaller teams or teams that operate as separate product lines they'll have their own kickoff each year. But I assume in your case, you almost need to have a kickoff before the kickoff to set what that tone is across the company. So can you maybe just talk to us about how that happens, how you get everyone rallied on the same page from a messaging perspective?
2: I think, you know, so to your point about, you know, how big a company it can be, uh, certainly there, you know, isn't, All all teams aren't contributing just because of how many dozens upon dozens dozens of teams there are within a company the size of Citrix or bigger. But you do look at, you know, all of the major product teams. You do make sure that you're engaged with all of the major product teams. And we have it a bit easier because my team is part of the corporate communications team. And in, as part of that team, of part of the corp comms team, sits PR and uh, you know the analyst relations group and employee communications, and executive communications, and so on. So naturally, those teams are interfacing with the product teams as well. So therefore, we go to them and work with them on. Okay, so you have a, a launch coming up for this product. This is what we suggest for your your you know uh, plan. We're gonna put out a press release or we're not. We're gonna pitch the media or we're not. You know, here's what we think you should write about for a blog post. That blog post should come from this level. Maybe the the business unit's head, maybe it's the VP of that product line, maybe it's you know, one of the engineers. Maybe it's all three because of the you know you want to talk at that vision level, you want to talk at the strategy level, and you want to talk at the kind of engineer and in the weeds type level. So I think that we have that that uh, ability a, a lot more, a lot easier than maybe some other companies, even if they're the same size or smaller than us. So let's talk about audience.
3: Very very often when we talk about content, we think about. Marketing automation and using segmenting tools, and it, and it's very easy to say, oh, here's this audience they're interested in this product. We'll send them this content offer or this email, etc. But on a blog, are are you addressing, are you addressing different audiences in in any way, or does someone subscribe to the whole blog, or do they just sort of follow one social account? What does what does
2: audience look like in the context of a, a blog of this size? So one of the things that we did, we went through, uh, like I I mentioned at the beginning, when we went through this kind of overhaul of the blog and first was putting into place these kind of policies in this governance process, one of the other things that we had done uh, after that was a complete overhaul of the blog. One of the major pieces of that was we took about 4,500 categories that were in our system. Because again, when you have, you know, anyone can do anything they want on the blog, unrestricted, uh, people created tags and categories for everything and anything. So we had 4,500, 3,500 categories and tags we brought that number all the way down to about 80, I want to say, at launch and then kind of floated that back up to say 100 or so because, you know, people made good business cases or we had new products come online or whatnot. And so people have the ability to subscribe to only one of those products or solutions if you're interested in it. Like, you might not want the kind of stream that means everything. You might only want to subscribe to mobility because maybe you're not one of our mob, our mobility product customers, but you want to hear about Citrix in mobility. Um, or you could subscribe to just one of our authors. You might really like to only hear what the CEO of our company has to say. So you only want to subscribe to him and no one else. So we have tried to build in some of those. We also do work with our web team and are increasingly working with them more to look at uh, some of what we see from Google Analytics and try to break down what does the demographics look like, uh, what do you, um, what are the popular times of day, when should we serve them content, because maybe it isn't three to five times a day at these five time slots or what have you. Maybe it's a different time slot or different schedule that we should look at. Maybe, you know, I think generally speaking, most people don't like to you know, publish content on Fridays because they think people are heading into the weekend. Well, if no one else, if everyone is listening to that, that means that Friday might be a really excellent time to publish content, right? So, you know, I think it's one of those ever-evolving things you constantly have to look at because just because today it looks like this, you know, three months from now, it could be something completely different. So
3: not not to get too in the weeds on this, but with all these possibilities, how easy is it for someone to subscribe to the things that they're interested in? In other words, it, like if here's a list of topics and here's a list of authors, is, is that simple and straightforward, or is it is it something where you found maybe it could be even simplified? I, I guess I'm I'm thinking of this from the perspective of. Blog subscription is something that kind of goes in cycles and, uh, and I'd love to hear how you guys are doing it and how basically how you kind
2: of parse this out and it makes sense and works for you. Sure. So, I mean, I think that the easiest thing, of course, or by far, and it's, gonna, it's like this on any blog, is that you prefer people subscribe to the whole thing. And that's the option when you're on the page or if you scroll to the bottom, or any of these other tactics that you've seen on any other blog, for the most part, is that people uh, can subscribe to the to the RSS feed, or subscribe via email, and you get everything. It's just the easy, easiest way for us and for them. But we do have the navigation uh, very, you know, simplified. So you can go to You know, um, the mobility topic, for example. And if you want, click on that and then you can subscribe to just that. You can go to the author, the list of our authors, toggle a couple things there. If you want to go to the just executives or just the, you know, all authors, and you can, you know, click on their page and as part of their profile is an RSS just to subscribe to them. But we're always, as with anything and anyone, always looking at ways to simplify process, scale process. And in, in this case, make it better for in, our readers and, and our customers. So we look into, uh, you know, we're just going through a round of updates right now. And so we're looking at what, what processes are are or aren't working well, both internally on the blog, kind of behind the scenes and externally. We'll make some changes. Probably a few months from now, we'll look again. You know, what new feature do we want to add? What what features need to be tweaked or removed? Gotcha.
1: So, just jumping back to an earlier point in the conversation, you mentioned something that caught my attention, you mentioned owning the Wikipedia page, and it's funny, I mean, You know, when you ask people their favorite form of content to create, they'll usually tell you blog, video, or infographic, something of that sort. Very seldomly do you hear someone say, "Oh, I love contributing to the Wikipedia." You know, Wikipedia is almost one of these things that's just there. You know, we don't even know how it happened. You know, it's like the world being created. You know, various different versions of how that post got there in the first place. But maybe you can talk to us a little bit about. The ownership of, of that property, because it's it's one that a lot of people rely on for information, um, and, and how that becomes part of your strategy.
2: Yeah, so I think that you know one of the things that people don't realize uh, often is that, and when I say people, I mean you know if you're in a brand strategy role or anything like that, is Wikipedia typically is the first place that people go to look at a brand or a product if they have a page, because if you go search for that, that brand or that product, number one is always going to be the website, the brand website. Number two generally is going to be Wikipedia. So when you want to talk about you know page one dominance and all of this, when you hear, you know, SEO authority ranking and how important that is, Wikipedia is up there with your brand website. And so it becomes very important to pay attention to. About uh, a year and a half, two years ago, my team uh, took over, took over slash found out that, you know, Wikipedia was in our area of responsibility. And um, we ended up realizing uh, that we had to, you know, look, take a step back and look at it uh, externally as how how many articles do exist how many you know do we want to fix and update because we didn't know it wasn't something that we had kept any kind of control over or again didn't have as our area of responsibility so we brought on an agency uh, that specializes in this and uh, to your point you know people don't understand how wikipedia articles appear they think they just show up and wikipedia is this very interest in community that you have to have kind of Wikipedia relations you know there's editors that you have to uh, work with and if you somehow post your get your updates directly posted and an editor comes across it they can roll back those updates and so we started with this overall audit uh, that was presented back to us came back with a number of suggestions um, a lot of them uh, we're, all of them were very great, but we prioritized which ones we wanted to to move on first. And then, uh, starting with the main Citrix article, we started to work through that process. Now, what's interesting is that you you will inevitably go to Wikipedia and find all sorts of articles that you would be very confused how they ever got there. and. That's because maybe an editor hasn't found it yet. You know, a Wikipedia editor hasn't found it yet. That doesn't mean that it's right or that it, you know, should stay on Wikipedia because Wikipedia is all about having to have multiple, endless number of references. Like, your your website is not considered a reference. Your press release is not considered a reference. It has to be a third party and substantial third parties to even be considered um, and so, again, not have a chance of being rolled back. So we started this process and now have, you know, gone through it with uh, a number of our, our, our products and, our, uh, of course, our company. We've also had pages removed. We've had things merged. Uh, but, yeah, you know, we see uh, Wikipedia being very, very important very key to it because of how relevant it is when uh, it comes to, the, to organic search. I feel like you could keynote next year's
1: content marketing world, uh, you know, topic on Wikipedia and the keys to, to effective Wikipedia writing. I mean, this is something that's, I, I find it really interesting. I'm curious in, in one aspect of that in terms of, you know, we think of Wikipedia as something that is found. But is it something that we want to link to? Is it something that actually becomes part of your distribution strategy in any way? If you really start to manage it properly, in theory, it can be a very, uh, I think, trusted, authoritative place. Are you linking to it? Again, I know you handle a lot of social strategy. Is the, are these pages becoming part of your arsenal for what you're going out to communicate, what, what Citrix is about
2: no, I mean, I wouldn't say like you know, there's not a... We don't have a blog post, for example, and then we link back to our Wikipedia page or something like that. But it is important to consider when you, when you are looking at all of your content, right? Again, like you mentioned, infographics or blog posts or your tweets or your Instagram posts. Great. But Wikipedia should be part of that. It's not, you know, people... And I, I love, uh, Snapchat, you know, conversations as much as the next person. Um, though I don't actively use it, but people want to have a talk, a conversation about what's your Snapchat strategy in this case. And in this kind of segment of our, our chat, you know, people aren't talking about Wikipedia. Well, Snapchat isn't showing up in Google search. Wikipedia is. So, um, You know, if you want to talk about content and organic rank and how people are going to find you, you know, it is important.
3: Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Clear Voice. Need a freelance writer? Clear Voice Marketplace can help you. Looking for trending topics or influencers? No problem. Clear Voice Content Studio is the answer for that one. Looking to store all your brand guidelines, keywords, and personas in one accessible space? That's right, ClearVoice can do that too. Even pay all your writers from one secure account. Go to demo.clearvoice.com for a free demo and tell them your friends at Content Pros Podcast sent you.
1: So one last question I have for you before we wrap up again, to remind everyone we're at content marketing world. Uh, we're taking a lot of great speakers, a lot of disruptive ideas. What's, what's one, I know it's day one here, but what's one key takeaway so far that you're going to bring back to your team as a focus for the rest of this year, or 2017 planning?
2: I think one of the things that, um, That was talked about in this morning's keynote, again, day one, um, was Lars from Lego. And it's to not underestimate, it depends on the brand, right? Not every brand is going to have this, but not to underestimate two things. One, the amount of content that your community will naturally create. Um, You know, Lars talked about how, uh, you know, so many people are uh, fans of Lego that they create a bunch of the content for lego essentially you know they're the ones creating content and you know lego has this opportunity to help them share share out that voice and uh can do that much easier than you know this multi-million dollar you know spend that they could easily do in the company size that they are and i thought that was really interesting that he said you know that, that they had this uh meeting once and told his team to dump the money out of their pockets, and they basically came up to $100 uh, total, and that's what they went and ran a campaign off of. Because I do think that the default is to look at big brands that are at these conferences or that are noted in case studies, and you want to say, well, yeah, of course they were able to post those types of numbers. They threw millions of dollars at it. Um, Sometimes that's the case, But those of us that work at big brands know that a lot of times that's not the case, especially in social roles. Um, It might be more than a smaller brand, um, but in kind of reference to size, it's not that much. So to see a company like Lego be able to execute a a campaign on, say, a $100 budget um, is really interesting and really key and should... Uh, help anyone, whether they were in that audience or they're listening to this, rethink what the you know, possibilities are. You know, you could take $100 and do something really creative, um, no matter the size or scale of your team or company.
1: I think that's a great takeaway. And even just looking at some of the things
2: we've discussed
1: over the last half hour, you know, a blog strategy that's bubbling up from various business groups in a way that's not costing a lot of money, right? I mean, these are people that are there. They all want to contribute to to the messaging of your company. And the same thing with Wikipedia, which is this free, uh, you know, real estate, as you put it on the first page of almost every search that we do, you know, we have to leverage these opportunities to to get brand exp exposure at a low cost um, so definitely some, some great insights today Justin thanks so much for taking the time to join us on Content Pros uh, we are hoping to still get a couple more people that we meet with well Jeff and I are here at Content Marketing World in Cleveland uh, if you want to find more of those podcasts either looking back or looking forward the place to go is Podcast.com. Uh, you can also find all of these podcasts on iTunes where you can leave a a review for anything you want to hear more of, less of, what have you. We want to make this a, an opportunity to learn and take away some key key insights as Justin's provided us today. On behalf of uh, Jeff Cohen from Oracle Marketing Cloud, I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip, and thank you
0: until next week. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by ClearVoice Content Marketing Software, Convince & Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip, and is produced by Convince & Convert Media. Find more grain shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast Imaging by